Hi, folks. This is Rick Doc Walker, the DOC. This is John Kime, and you're listening to the Mess Hall with Rally Captain and Tailgate Ted. What's going on, Rally? How you feeling today, man? Ted, I'm tired, but <laughs> nothing is going to stop me from getting this episode out. So let's get it. I appreciate that, man. Those of you that are wondering, it's Monday, December 19th at 3.15. We're rallying now recording this. Needless to say, it's a, it's been a long Monday for everybody. I got back from the stadium at about 1.45, 2 o'clock last night. So it's pretty much a 12-hour day. I got to the stadium about 1.15 after watching that World Cup game, getting pissed off that it kept going to uh, extra time and penalty kicks and everything else. And... I got stuck in so much traffic leaving that stadium. It was just so unbelievably frustrating. Luckily, I had a cigar that I just ended up puffing on while I'm sitting in traffic, stuck, not going anywhere, and then got back to the house. And I know you had a long day having to go straight to work this morning at whatever time you get out. Yeah, man. Uh, it was like three-something, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's you crazy, know. man. Yeah, you know, I always say I love going into work early. I'm sorry. Yeah, I hate going into work early. I love getting off of work early. So it's it's the the necessary evil that makes the world go around. You know, we all got to gain a paycheck. Yeah, no, you got to pay for those away trips somehow, man, and those season tickets somehow. So, and for those holiday presents somehow, man. And speaking of which, our good friends at Woodbridge Collectibles have the perfect memorabilia and presents for your friends and family for the holidays. Mm-hmm. I'm on their website right now, man. They've got a Cal Ripken Jr. signed framed jersey on here. You know, I'm a Nats fan, so if anyone's looking to buy me something, don't get me that. But they do have a imitation Lombardi trophy signed by, let's see here, Gary Clark and Ricky Sanders. I mean, Wait. can you imagine having that thing sitting on your fireplace mantle? Mm. I mean, I'd be happy about that. See, that's a beautiful thing about Woodbridge Collectibles that people don't know. You know, a lot of people, we, we talk about, obviously, Redskins, Commanders, Washington football team. But, I mean, pretty much across the NFL or whatever sport you're thinking about, they got it. And yeah. you just never know what some fan might like, you know. You just never know. So ask the questions. Find out what fan your spouse or loved one likes or kids and give Woodbridge Collectibles a look, a look-see, and uh, you'll be surprised. You might be the favorite gift giver of the Christmas season. Man, I'm looking at, they got a Joe Montana framed jersey. Sign, Joe Montana jersey. I mean, I don't like the 49ers, and we got them coming up next, not trying to jump ahead, but who wouldn't want a framed Joe Montana jersey? I mean, they've got some badass stuff here. So like Riley's saying, it's not just you know, Washington stuff. They've got stuff from a ton of teams. So check them out at WilbertCollectibles.com. Really appreciate them sponsoring the show. Well, well, well before you go any further, before you go any shoot. further, you got to let them know in that promo code, oh, DMV yeah. Mess Hall, you got to do that to save the bucks. Cha-ching. Got to do it, bro. Yeah. Use promo code DMV Mess Hall, and I think you get, what, 15% off on your order? Fitting, so as they say. Up. Fitting, one five. Fitting. <laughs> a Dax Milne off your order. <laughs> oh, we don't want that. <laughs> no, no. You, you'll, they'll fumble the order if that happens. Yeah, we'll take that back. No, we'll take that. 
we'll find another 15 to get out there that's not a uh, waste of space yeah <laughs> oh man but man it's it's good to talk to you it's good to see you again after less than 24 hours but got a chance to see you at the game you're obviously making your rounds in lots how was it pregame man other than cold well let me tell you something so yeah we all know that it was chilly outside but for me because I, I, I get asked to go to so many different tailgates and to pop my head in. I walked a lot and I was warm. And yeah. now it's also because I was walking and I, and you know, I had a couple of adult beverages. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I have to show my hospitality and it's rude. I was told to, to decline someone's beverage. So, Hey, I've got to, you know, indulge and, and let them know that I'm a good participant. You know, you invited me. So yes, I will partake. But uh, it was just probably the, the crowd, the most crowded I've ever seen the FedEx field parking lots ever. Um, the Burgundy and Gold, they showed up. And don't get me wrong. Yes, the Giants fans were there as well. They did show up. And I, and I, I said that to say because, you know, I had a guy, I said, I said, I really didn't see a Giants takeover like what I'm used to seeing the burgundy and gold really showed up now maybe it was because the game was flexed and they just didn't want to drive down from jersey wherever they from new york or whatever have you but it was a lot of just burgundy and gold and it felt good seeing all those people in the parking lots in the stands walking through the stadium i mean it was it was it was huge man it was man and we had Easily our most energetic tailgate of the season. Maybe the past five seasons. We had yeah. our uh, regular DJ back. He brought in a special DJ from Ibiza. And I'm not talking about the nightclub in downtown DC. I mean, it was just a good vibe in the lots. I had legitimately maybe two dozen, three dozen people reach out to me to say, hey, are you still doing that tailgate thing that I haven't heard from in over 15 years? You know, people wow. I haven't seen since 2012. We're coming out the woodwork, coming back wow. to the stadium. And they just wanted to be there. They wanted to be a part of this. People that were telling me if they change the name, I'm out. Well, guess what? Names change. And I saw your ass at FedEx Field. So, <laughs> no, you're not. You know, it's just different stuff. And it was great to see that ahead of time. And I was hoping, you know, to have that energy carry in into the game. But I've been doing the tailgate for over uh, over 20 years now. I've never missed a kickoff. Nice. Not once missed a kickoff. Uh -oh. We shut down. We actually brought out the Big Bertha grill. I've got three flat tops, and then I've got a six-foot grill that stays in my van that I don't use anymore. It's an old grill that still works. Mm -hmm. We just don't use it because I've got the flat tops. Well, we wanted to get the cooking done early so we could get inside. So we had, you know, over 12 feet of grilling space got all the cooking done, got everything packed up. It took me 45 minutes to get in the stadium. Why Four so or five. A Mike Sellers to get inside that stadium. Because if you're a season ticket holder, you have a special Washington gold pass and they've yes. got Washington gold lines. The lane, yeah. And they're supposed to be checking those lanes. It's like a TSA pre-check. Right. You know, not everybody has it, but if you have it, yeah. yeah. So they're not checking the Washington gold line. Everyone and their mama from New York to wherever that doesn't have season tickets is standing in this line. 
and everyone's arguing and screaming at each other. And you got season ticket holders yelling and screaming because you got a group of 12 Giants fans saying, well, no one's making me move. Then I get to the front of the line where they're doing security checkpoints. And they said, yeah, we were told not to look for Washington gold today. We were told just to get everybody inside the stadium. So that's how my no. in-game started. That's what kind of really rubbed me the wrong way and pissed me off because we don't get a lot of perks as season ticket holders. We get 50% off concessions. So, you know, non-alcoholic concessions, which, hey, is great if you want to buy food in the stadium. Yeah. And, you know, I bought nachos every once in a while. We get fast lines in the stadium for food if they're checking. Half the time they don't check. And then we get easier access into the stadium. Didn't get any of that yesterday. And it's the first time I've ever missed kickoff. And, man, it's just Ooh. you lose money as a season ticket holder when you buy season tickets. You can get the same amount of games individually on secondary market mm -hmm. and pay a lot less money than you and I do. So that's some of my frustration just to kind of start it off. And then I get to my seat with maybe five minutes left in the first quarter. I'm like you got, I mean, that was just, it was Whoa, such a mess. With five minutes left in the first quarter? Yeah, man. It took me 45 minutes to get through that line. God, dog it. So people had their cell phones up so all of us standing in line could watch. And I was listening on the radio. And I'm just so pissed off at that point. And then I'm going through the metal detector line. And then I got a guy saying, hey, you idiot, take your keys out of your pocket, which was security guard that worked there. Like it says on the sign to you can keep your keys in your pocket. And the fact that the guy called me an idiot at that point, I was just angry and that didn't sit well with me. So he and I were going back and forth to the point of his supervisor came over and calmed him down the situation down. But I wasn't having it at that point. I was, I was done with oh, the yeah. whole mess. Oh, yeah. So by the time I actually got to my seat, I wish that the team would have put me in on defense so I could have actually done something to stop the Giants because I was ready to rip someone's head off, man. I don't know about you. Starting linebacker. Ted. I, <laughs> I would have did a little bit better than Jamin, not Jamin, than uh, John Bostic. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, man. But what Go was on. it like in your section? I'm assuming you got in the game earlier, obviously. You know, I don't know if you had any of the problems that I had trying to get in. And, and yes, I get it. There was 80,000 people there. How many thousand people there the other day? The point I was just is, about to ask you, I was just about to ask you, did you get a final count? And you said 80, but that's, you were just throwing it out. I'm just throwing it out. Actually, the okay. official capacity now is 67,000. Okay. And looking in the stands, it looked packed. So I, I would almost say it was like maybe 60, 60 to 62, I'd say. Yeah. Because I did see at the upper deck they had some some uh some yellow and red, and then I saw in club they had a couple openings. But for the most part, every seat seemed to be taken. So yeah. I, I I really enjoyed that man. You know we we put the call out. Obviously Jonathan Allen put the call out, and and the organization put the call out, and and people came out. And be, and why? Because this was an important game. Now will we see them for the Browns? Probably not. <laughs> but yeah. they can at least say that they came to see the most important game, even though it may have been a let down to everybody. It was an important game for the fans. Yeah. I just didn't feel like it was an important game for the team. And I'll say that because oh man, I just saw a tweet from the giants and I'll tell it to you in a minute. 
it felt like when the Seahawks lost and Washington knew that they were going to be the seventh seed or the sixth seed, no matter what, it felt to me like the sense of urgency completely went away from the team, that they weren't playing to win the game. And we talked about this earlier on our preview show. I needed Riverboat Ron to be Riverboat Ron. And the way he called that game, and he doesn't call plays, but the way he coached that game, game I felt like they were playing scared. And I made it in time to, well, actually, I missed this part. So I watched this on the replay. So it was, what was it? Fourth and 10, fourth and 12 from the 34-yard line right? in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Rivera opted to punt versus kick a field goal at that point. It would have been a 51-yard field goal. Right. The Giants caught the ball at the five or the seven, regardless, and they ran it back to the 30. We were on the 34. Yeah. So it was a four-yard four, change of field. Isn't that something? And he didn't trust Joey Sly because apparently he didn't think he had the leg to do it. Where Joey later on in the game hit a 51 yarder. So I was going to say that I like to get in a little early and shout out to the go go bands that played in Legends. Oh, it was a great, great. You had the concert, UC Vernon too? Great concert. Yeah. Say again. You see Vernon Davis too? Oh, I, heck yeah, I saw Vernon bounce, 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 bounce. Didn't necessarily like the song, but at the same time, I'm here to support. So, yeah. I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, a lot of people don't like left hand up, but they're there to support local artists. Um, so I like to get in early and just get a, a feel for what the punters, the kickers, or what are they doing during warm-ups. And I saw him hit from practice he from both ends from – Kicking to the, uh, the 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 west side, back to the east side of the of the stands, and I was saying I saw him making these. What are we doing? And so I just was 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 weirded out, man. But but it goes to something I, I said, Ted. You know, early on, I said, man, I just don't like these giants, man. I mean, they're the ones yeah. who I who who I just feel as though no matter what are going to give us the most problems. And here we are. They gave us the most problems. I mean, I need to be Nostradamus or something, man. I, I, I really do. Well, we talked about it, man, that these Giants, it's not going to be an easy game, and they're no pushover. Mm-hmm. And right. I hate to say it, I won my bet that I put in at Caesar Sportsbook the other day because I took the Giants plus four and a half, but it still pisses me off. I just – I thought we were going to win the game. I didn't think we were going to cover the game when we gave our scores and predictions. We all yeah. had them. Not, not covering the four and a half point spread, at least that's what I got it at. It was just frustrating. And hearing that you saw Joey make these kicks, not surprised. It sounds like Rivera was lying to us again. This is actually what coach said about it. Coach, early on in the game, the decision to go for the punt and short yards uh, situation, can you kind of describe the, the thought process? Oh, we got, him, we got him pinned. You know, we, we figured from where we were, we were going to get him pinned. Ron, you said you wanted to get him pinned on that fourth down. Was there something with the wind or anything like that with the conditions? Well, we thought the ball would hang up and we'd be able to get the coverage down there and and get into position. You know, earlier in the game, we we did the same thing, but uh, Tress kicked a little bit short and they, you know, they popped it for about 20 yards on a return. But we thought would get this the, the the second one we would be able to get it pinned into okay. the in, into that corner. With well, the first one, I guess it was the fourth down. Did you did you think consider going for a field goal on that one? 
Oh, the very yes, yes, and the very first thing, no, because of the wins and because of uh, well, watching Joey kick, and the same thing when we came out in the second half watching Joey kick. You know, we were a little concerned about that ball coming up short. I just, I don't get it, man. It's mm. to me, it's a playoff game. You win this thing. You're ninety plus percent of making the postseason. Yeah, he just didn't coach to win the game. And to me, it was coaching scared. And you have two weeks to make this game plan. You have two weeks to prepare for the Giants. And you just played them two weeks prior and you tied. I just, I don't know what the game plan was and what they wanted to do. And I know you haven't had a chance to go back and watch the game, but I went back and watched the game and I didn't realize some of the stats for the game. I didn't realize that Brian Robinson was averaging over seven yards a carry. You know, why mm. would you take the ball out of that young man's hands when he's having over seven yards a carry? And I'm stuck in traffic. I mentioned earlier. So I decided to call in to Doc Walker and Linnell on 1067 The Fan and chat with Doc. And, you know, it felt to me like Scott Turner was auditioning his offense for a head coaching job someplace else. You think? Because that's what it felt like. Because when you have Brian Robinson, 12 carries for 89 yards, 12 carries, that's it, with a 7.4-yard average. Antonio Gibson, 5 for 21 yards with a 4.2-yard average. So your two running backs only carry the ball 17 times. Those 17 times get you over 100 yards. Why do you go away from that? And okay, you're down 14 to three at halftime, but you're still within scoring range of these guys. Yeah. They're not blowing you out. Yeah. And yeah. I don't understand why you take what this team is best at and completely throw it out the window. We talked about it. Heineke drops back for more than 27, 28 attempts. Odds are we're losing that game. Mm-hmm. And Julie Donaldson, stats she's come up with, if Brian Robinson carries the ball more than 15 times, we're 5-0. and You only gave it to him 12 times. You know, it's those things that just frustrated me watching it live and then re-watching the game this afternoon. I'm like, man, that he was eating them up. B-Rob was just laying the wood on anyone that wanted to touch him. And it's like a boxing match, man. You hit him with the body blows. And then we hit him after the fact with okie doke. It just, it drove me insane, man. And I just, I don't understand what we did during the bye week to prepare for these guys. They always say that a lot of times teams that come back from the bye are weaker than stronger because of the cohesiveness is just a little off. No different than the guy who had the first round bye in the playoffs. You know, a lot of times that team will lose because they just haven't kept it going. So maybe it was too much time off. Who knows? I I, I don't know, but I, I have to agree with you. They seemed not all there. And like you said, they had two weeks to prepare. And what I saw was basically the same thing that I saw up in New York. I mean, it was, it was almost deja vu. It was. And speaking of deja vu, I mean, Thibodeau just yeah. ate up Charles Leno. Yeah. You know, on that strip sack, Leno was one-on-one 
against Thibodeau, right? We had a holding call on Cornelius Lucas, drove us back. So it was second and 18 from our 10 yard line. If I, I think Scott Turner has a clause in his contract where he has to call an empty set at least a half a dozen times to completely screw us up because it's second and 18 at the 10. Thibodeau is just licking his chops and there's no back to chip him. There's no tight end to hit him and then release. Leno's just one-on-one. And you talked about deja vu. We saw what happened in New York, Mm -hmm. basically in that same situation, right in overtime where Heineke got hit. Luckily he didn't actually fumble the ball, but this time Heineke got hit. I mean, I who I don't remember who was calling the TV call, but they said Thibodeau hit a grand slam. He had the sack, he had the strip, fumble, and a touchdown right there. And this was actually what Heineke said on the strip. Um, I thought defense played amazing. I really I really think the the turning point of that game, the biggest play of that game is the, the sack fumble for a touchdown in the first half. Um, that doesn't happen. Our defense is playing well. Um, that's, that's a tough one. What happened? What happened on that play from your perspective? Well, we're in empty. Um, they didn't bring a pressure, so I felt like I was protected. It was, you know, we had five offense linemen for four. Um, looked at my first read, they jumped it, and you know, I took a second hitch to throw the ball, the, the, the baits on a corner route. And, you know, when I was getting ready to release it, uh, I got hit. Five guys to block. Four guys rushing, but that fourth guy counts as three. Thibodeau's no joke, and he ate us up all night long. And yeah, Brian Mitchell talks York about and here. Oh yeah, both times. And B. Mitch talks about how Coach Gibbs and his staff would game plan all week long, and if it didn't work the first quarter, they'd throw it out and completely start from scratch and come up with something new on the fly. I don't feel that Scott Turner has the capability or ability to do that at all, because how many times on third down were we in empty sets and the giants took advantage of that and their head coach, their defensive coordinator loves to blitz. That's all the guy does. And there were a couple of times when Leno was overloaded on his side, they brought three and they got to Taylor. And mm. Taylor was only sacked for three times, but he was hurried how many times? And it just, yeah. man, I just, I don't understand what we were trying to do yesterday, last night. Do you think he needs to get to his reads faster or he just, no matter who was back there, they wouldn't have enough time? I think no matter who was back there, he wouldn't have had enough time because the Giants uh-huh. were playing off on his own. And he talked about, they jammed his first read And then your second read was John Bates. I'm sorry, John Bates does not scare me to really be able to do anything. Mm -hmm. So they were just, you got to give him a little more time to get those balls out. And we talked last time how Cooley said that they were in max protect 70% of the time. Well, they're not going max protect on third down. And I was watching the postgame show this morning because they replayed it. I didn't realize this stat. Guess when we converted our first third down? When? 14 minutes and 17 seconds in the fourth quarter. What? The fourth quarter was the first time we got a third down. 
we were one for 10 on third Dang. down. Can't win like that. No. And it's just, it's something we have constantly talked about on this show and it drives me crazy is okay. The flea flicker. Why in the hell did Scott Turner decide to call a flea flicker at second and three? Cause you think you're going to be able to convert that. And I'm sorry on the flea flicker, whoever Taylor threw it to, I want to say it was Diami was yeah, Diami Brown was triple covered or double covered double. Yeah. So that to me, someone else should be open, but he decides to chuck it up there. First thing, why are you trying to get cute? Why are you calling a flea flicker right there? And I think we were maybe in our 35, somewhere around there. We were in mm -hmm. our territory, not theirs. I just, I don't get it. But then after that, it's third and three, and you decide to give the ball to Curtis Samuel out of shotgun, and Curtis gets two yards? Yeah, give it to your bruiser. You don't feed B-Rob? At that point, it's still early in the game, and he's still fighting for those yards. B-Rob can get three yards with 12 men in the box. But you decide yeah. to be cute and give it to he'll, Curtis. He'll drag the hell out of him. It's just yeah. the coaching, the game plan, everything from an offensive perspective drove me crazy. Yes, the Giants scored 20 points, but the defense held them to 13. You know, you that Thibodeau touchdown, it was what it was. If your defense holds an opponent to 13 points, you hope your offense can score more than 12. And mm -hmm. they did it. It's just so upsetting and everyone is yelling and screaming about the referees today and we'll talk about that in a little yeah. bit but to me that's not why we lost the game we oh, got out coached yep uh, they made plays when they needed to make plays and and i tell you uh so what was pivotal for me was when it was fourth and nine and i said to the guy that was sitting next to me, I said, are they going to go for this? I said, oh, if they go for this, the level of disrespect is just through the roof. And sure enough, so they didn't fear us. No. No, no team, almost, there's, there was no reason for them to go fourth and nine unless you just want to. Well, I'll take that back. There was a reason for them to do it, to keep the momentum, the momentum going in and keep their offense on the field for potentially having us get the ball back and, and, and scoring there. But still, I think they were in their own on, they were on the on their side of the field. And they went fourth and nine. And I so said, oh, there was a fourth and nine on Washington's 24. And they threw it. It was 220. Actually, yeah, it was uh 10, 18. It was still seven to three at that point. Yeah. And it was right before the two-minute warning. So there was 223 left in the game. On the 24th, they should have kicked the field goal there. You're talking a 24, that's a 41-yard kick. They went for it, got the first down, threw it 11 yards right on Bobby McCain. You know, it's just, they were picking us apart all game long. And the defensive game plan was better because Daniel Jones didn't run all over us. Mm -hmm. He was 12 carries for 71 yards the first game. This game, he was 10 carries for 35 yards. So they obviously wanted to make a point of let Daniel Jones beat you with his arm. Don't beat you with his legs this time. Jones was 21 to 32 for 160 yards. He didn't put up a ton of yards. The Giants offense in general 
didn't put up a ton of yards. The defense did their job. Your yeah. offense just did it, but it was just straight disrespect from a Giants perspective where they mm -hmm. felt that they could do whatever they wanted to, even though the stats don't show it. They did really whatever they wanted to that game. I mean, their swag was on a hundred, bro. Oh yeah. I mean, total yards, Giants had 160 yards passing. They had 288 yards total. So it's not a ton. Mm. The commanders wow. had 387 yards total. 387. I mean, how can you have 387 yards total and yeah. you're beating them by 100 yards and you only put up 12 points? And it's just, it's because of this freaking offense that drives me crazy. And Rivera just has press conference. And during his press conference, I'm trying to see if I can pull the quote up here. You know, I'm wondering myself, are we going to get a chance to see Carson? Because did you see during the game, every oh. TV timeout, oh, yeah. every change of possession, Carson's out there warming up with Heineke throwing the ball. Pre-game, I saw it, man. Pre-game, Carson was on like 10. I mean, he normally, you know, you, you expect – the quarterback to do it what, what Taylor was doing and okay I'll catch the ball and I'll do some nice form throws to to warm my arm up now nah, Carson was like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna roll out I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll out to my right and throw it hard I'm gonna roll out to my left and throw it hard even harder <laughs> it was yeah. I, I said I said wait a minute what is this dude doing so I thought that was kind of strange um maybe he was trying to let the coach see that, hey, I'm, I'm mobile. I'm, I'm ready. I, I can put some zip on it. There were a couple of times when he, because Taylor stays in the same spot and doesn't move when he's about to go in. He's just throwing the ball to whatever receiver is catching on the other end. Carson was backing up 10 yards, 20 yards, 30 yards, and throwing bombs back. He mm. wasn't just sitting there doing the whole, okay, let me just pitch and catch with you. Yeah. So he was definitely lining up and trying to prove, hey, Scott Turner, I know you're up there. Watch this. Check me yeah. out. Let me drop this one in here. And, mm -hmm. I mean, at a certain point, I'm thinking, we got to put Carson in. Four's not working right now. He's just having an issue, and this offense is having a problem. And I was hoping it was going to happen. But then after halftime, Heineke had his helmet on, and Carson's just coming out. They're like, all right, I'll throw the ball. That's fine. I mean, did you want Carson to come out, or is that just me? Well, you know, Ted, I've always told you, I want whoever is going to be better for the team. And we talked about it uh, on the preview show where I said, hey, if, if he's jacking it up, bring Carson out and maybe put Heineke, keep, keep both of them on the field, yeah. do some type of other type of play, just to get Carson the – the, the moves in the, of, the, of the game, get back up to speed. And I think that you probably could see that, even though you said you wouldn't want to see it. I think that, that, that something is said. It's like when Daniel Jones and Saquon went into the Wildcat and it was a direct snap. You know, we weren't expecting that. And he ran it in for a touchdown. That was in my end zone. Because when he, when he got back into the quarterback position and, and Daniel Jones was, uh, DJ was the, was a running back, I was like, wait a minute, what kind of nonsense is this? So if I know as a fan, I'm scratching my head. 
<laughs> those guys on all fours in a four-point stance was like, okay, who do we key on? Oh, oh this is a trick play. It's going to go to DJ. Nope. Saquon ran it right up our gut into the end zone. See, I, I'm not surprised about that, though, because they've they've done that before. Mm-hmm. I, it's like, And for those that didn't hear our last show, Rally wanted Carson and Taylor in at the same time, one that can't move and the other that's got, you know, Skittles for an arm in there wasting space. The thing that drove me crazy is it's the first half and Taylor was seven for 13 and only had 43 yards, right? His average yards per pass was 2.9, less than three yards per pass. I mean, he's just, Alex Smith was captain checkdown. You know, what the hell is Taylor? Uh, 2.9 yards average per pass. He's, well, he, he's corporal check down. <laughs> if Alex is captain check down. I just, <laughs> I mean, down. and then you've got fans and you've got people saying, well, we don't want to see Carson against this pass rush against the 49ers. And yeah, we're, we're skipping ahead a couple of days. I am just tired of the Heineke experiment. And I was hoping that Rivera was going to potentially talk about a change while David Aldridge asked Rivera, Ron, do you consider a quarterback change? Ron, do you did you give do you give any thought to a change of quarterback for next week? No, no, David. I I think the the biggest thing more than anything else is you know sticking with with Taylor and and, and what we're trying to establish. Um, you know, and, and it is something though that obviously is talked about obviously out there, and it is something that you know to to be quite frank, as I do have to think about at some point. But if we can continue to if we can get back on track and play the way we've played and do things that we've done um you know then we'll stick with where we are uh, until then you know I, I will i will do that well i'll say this on a good note i couldn't believe how far he threw the ball downfield this this last game i i said hey who threw that ball i i i legitimately said who threw that ball because i did not expect him to be able to throw the ball that far when he well, he's can. got an arm to throw deep. He doesn't have an arm to hit those tight window throws, those deep outs, those other throws. But, I mean, lobbing the thing up there, he overthrew Diami on one of those plays. You yeah. know, Diami was off. I mean, I think if he were thrown to Terry in that instance, Terry would have caught up to it, but Diami wasn't able to get there. But when I say he's got skittles for an arm, I'm talking about, those deep outs that deep those out, yeah. you need to have zip on that ball yeah. or else a DB is going to break on that thing for a pick six. Mm-hmm. And a couple of those times I felt like he thought it was, you remember that old MTV like sports show where they do like, like rock and jock baseball and rock yeah. and jock, like basketball mm-hmm. ball. There was like a, a 25 point circle would open up with a minute left in the game. So it gives you a chance to come back. I felt like Heineke was going for that 12-point play where there obviously isn't one, but he was going deep at times where he had Curtis, you know, across the middle or he had Antonio leaking out, but he was trying to go for that home run ball. And it just, it wasn't there. And each time he threw it deep, there was at least two, if not three defenders on our wide receiver each time. The only time that wasn't was when he threw it to Dotson over the top and Dotson had that amazing catch, but just yeah. Dotson was one-on-one. Yeah. He wasn't a double or triple at that point. 
so when you say that, did you see that live or is that something that you went back and viewed it? No, I saw that live. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, just watch it because where I am on the field, I am more like 35 yard line home end zone, okay. home sideline right there. And there are a couple of times, because when he was chucking it deep, he was chucking it deep towards my side of the field away from you. Mm-hmm. And you could see the underneath routes open. He was just missing them. And I felt like he was reversing his progressions. His progressions were going deep to shallow versus shallow to deep. Maybe because he read his stats at halftime saying I'm only throwing 2.9 yards per pass. But he wasn't completing his passes because they they just weren't there. So it was just frustrating. But one good thing that he was doing was we talked about it. Is he going to start using his legs? Mm -hmm. And he finally did. It was the tailor of old that we were used to. He was three carries for 33 yards and he had his longest for 15. He was a threat to run the ball. Mm-hmm. So that was nice to see. And there were a couple of times where Taylor two weeks ago would scramble and then still try and throw the ball. Whereas this time, I think on that 15 yard run, he ran to the out and actually Tuck ended it. up holding and tucking it and ran. Cause I'm thinking, mm-hmm. please don't throw, please don't throw. And thank God, you know, Jedi mind trick worked and he decided to run that thing. Cause, Mm-mm. but why we went away from it, man, I'm just, yeah. No, it's frustrating. It's frustrating, bro. And and, and maybe he is a, uh, auditioning for a uh, another job, HC type stuff. But but until we know, let's not speculate. Oh yeah, I mean he just got an extension here. Rivera extended him for no reason. That's the other part that drives me freaking insane because coaching contracts are guaranteed. Yeah. So you just extended Scott Turner. So we can't get rid of his ass. He's going to be here. He's not going anywhere. And Scott calls us out of games. He has had one good game plan this entire season, which was the Eagles game on Monday night. Mm -hmm. You would think he would have stepped it up again. This one. I just. Who do you blame for this loss? We haven't lost since November 6th. So maybe we're a little spoiled because it's been a while. I think that was the Vikings game. Oh, we're but who do you give credit to for this loss? I give credit for the loss to the defense, bro. Really? Ultimate, the defense. Ultimately, they have to stop the stop the team from from, from scoring. And that fourth and nine, I'm not going to blame the refs. See, see I'm not, this isn't going to be rally captain blame the refs. They had their little ish into it, but to me, fourth and nine. Fourth and nine, dude. You got to stop that. Yeah. And we were, I don't know what type of coverage we were playing, but it, it wasn't. It was a zone man. at that yeah. point. Yeah. It, it, wasn't press, it wasn't press man. And so he's just picking us apart. So I, I got to, I got to go. Um, I, I can't be a guy that says coordinator either. The play comes in, you've got to execute, regardless on how busted you feel it may be. You've got to execute. You get paid money to execute. And I think the defense is the one that let us down, even though they did hold them to 20 points. Well, 13 points. I mean, that, points. you can't blame seven on them. So, yeah. man, that seven was on Heineke. 
Yeah, actually, no, that seven was on Charles Leno and Scott Turner, yeah. not on Heineke, because there was nothing Taylor could do at that point. He's in the right. They're rushing four people. You got to hope your five guys can block four. But he didn't feel that pressure. And once Eight he hit four. his back foot, he should have gotten rid of it. And he just didn't. But see, it's hard for me to blame this on the defense. I mean, I understand that Daniel Jones wreaked havoc at that point in the first matchup. So round two, they wanted to make a concerted effort to slow him down. And it mm -hmm. felt like, let's see, how many sacks did we have on DJ? Uh, I think, how many sacks did you get yesterday? How many sacks did I get? Yeah. Well, if we're not talking about White Castles, I didn't get any sacks. <laughs> yeah, well, neither did our defense. <laughs> and Zero see, sacks. And see, that's what I'm saying, man. I mean, what, whether whether it was the bye week that just kind of made him feel more comfortable, whether it was press clippings, whether who know, whatever it was, okay? Whatever it was, ultimately, your job is to stop them from scoring. Who was it that said, hey, you don't want me dancing in the end zone? Then stop me from scoring, and I won't be able to dance in the end zone. Don't be mad at me for dancing in the end zone for celebrating. Stop the man from scoring. So that's, that's ultimately what it boils down to. So... See, I, I feel I, like the the game plan from the defensive line perspective was to hold your gaps and don't rush Daniel and give him lanes to step up in and take advantage of. I feel like we weren't attacking him like we should have or like they did the first time prior because he found those lanes when our guys didn't rush four as one. And then he just took advantage of with his legs. And this time he was just getting seven yard passes here and there on first down. I felt like every time, and it was obvious they were picking on Danny Johnson. So mm -hmm. every time it was first down, Danny Johnson, one-on-one, -on -one, boom, curl route right in front of him, you know, yeah. and we just did not adjust, but it's hard for me to blame the defense, but this is actually what uh, our listener carnivore, Steve, who he blamed for the loss. Dougie Dad, this is Steve, Captain Carnivore Conover, and my blame pie goes 50% Scott Turner for going empty and not at least chipping number five and uh, leaving Taylor Heineke open on the blind side several times. 25% to Taylor Heineke for not taking care of the football and 25% to the referees for several egregious calls and mm. non-calls. Thanks, brother. Now, we appreciate you calling in, Steve, and listening and supporting yeah. the show, man. Definitely. And I'm not sure if I agree with the percentage of that, but we also have Kevin from Rockville texted in. Kevin said, I blame Taylor Heineke and the offensive line. They moved the ball well, but once it got close to the red zone, we fell apart. It was a very winnable game if they had any average, if they had an average performance. The defense was all right, would have liked to stop on those long Giants drives, but they ultimately only gave up 13 points. So, <sighs> okay, see, here, once again, I'm telling you why I'm saying defense. No, I, I hear get, you, man. Yeah. They get the ball on the four-yard line. Their four-yard line, and they drive down. 97 yards. I mean, yeah. it was a 97-yard touchdown drive. You know, it's and, – and then, and then after that, it became 
the Saquon Barkley show. We got to stop it. And we couldn't stop it. So, yeah. so, so, you know, a team is going to score a touchdown here, there. I, I got it. But the thing is, is how did they score? How did they move the ball? And everything that we touted about or our front four, which don't get me wrong, we've got an awesome front four. I love those dudes, but they're human too. So yeah. the defense to me let us down. And that's why I said that. And we had a lot of five man defensive line sets round one, round two, we went away from that. And I don't know if you noticed when Saquon was gashing us in the fourth quarter, they brought John Ridgeway in to stop it. Mm-hmm. And Ridgeway actually first play in, they ran right at Ridgeway. Ridgeway just bear hugged him, stopped Saquon right there. So, I mean, it slowed down the running attack, but the defense did not seem to make adjustments. And then the Giants didn't make any on their side because they didn't need to. You know, no. for us, yeah. I mean, everyone knows if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Don't well, do it. it wasn't broke with Brian Robinson, but Scott Turner liked to try and fix it. The Giants, on the other hand, actually do what you're supposed to do. It wasn't broke for them, so they just kept taking advantage of us. So the lack of defensive adjustments, I'll give you that. I do blame, if I had to give a percentage, I'll say maybe 20% of my blame pie goes to Del Rio not making adjustments. Danny Johnson on an island and getting picked apart. And missing Benjamin St. Juice these past two games has been massive. Two or three? Three, right? Well, I mean, just the two games versus the Giants. Okay, I got so, you. So, you. you know, not having BSJ for the first time in the Meadowlands and not having him this time, huge. They picked on Christian Holmes last mm-hmm. time to the point of Holmes got benched and Danny Johnson came in. Danny had a better game when he came in in relief. Danny started this game because BSJ wasn't there. He didn't have a good game. He got no. picked on. I don't know how many passes he gave up, but every time it was first down, I felt like it was second and three. And, oh, who was on the tackle? Danny Johnson. Danny Johnson. It's just He was just getting eat up constantly. And Rivera, not, not Rivera, but Del Rio not making any adjustments drove me crazy. But I just, my pie, I want to say 70% goes to Scott Turner. Oh. He called a bad game. I just, I don't see any other way around it. When you've got a stud like Brian Robinson Jr. getting 7.4 yards of carry, when you have a beat-up offensive line and all you're doing is making them pass block versus run block, I don't get that. Offensive linemen hate to pass block. I played left tackle. Absolutely hated pass blocking. I wasn't that good at it. I could run block my ass off. Mm -hmm. But the fact that Brian Robinson only had 24 snaps he was in on 38% of the offensive plays. Why are you taking the ball out of that young man's hand, Scott Turner? You don't even have him on the field. It's not that Heineke wasn't giving it to him. He wasn't actually on the damn field. Well, if I'm not mistaken, I do remember him calling himself out. I, I, I remember a couple of plays he called himself out. And, and they wanted, and matter of fact, if I remember correctly, they wanted him to stay and no, he waved himself out. So I'm not sure what was going on with that. Did you see that? Or he no? wasn't, there was on the 19 yard run. So on the one 19 yard run, he called himself out. Cause I don't know if he was gassed yeah. or what at that point, 
But you know, I was talking to Doc Walker and Lanell about this last night, and they're harping on it. The last drive down the field. I'm scrolling through the stats now here. So Heineke hits Curtis Samuel down the left sideline or down the right sideline, depending on where you're looking at it, 30 yards. Then next thing you know, trying to pull this up. Where is this? Brian Robinson ended up having a carry, I want to say for 18 or 19 yards, and then didn't come back in the game. B-Rob got us down. Why can't I find this? I'm sorry for those of you that are wondering why I'm stalling here, but I Robinson got us down regardless. I want to say to within couple of yard line and then he never came back in the game and I just I don't get why they didn't give him the ball back why they didn't get him a chance to actually finish that thing off those of you listening yet to say well B Rob was in on that touchdown so okay yeah well the touchdown didn't count because Terry McLaurin wasn't lined up properly and mm. everyone's throwing a fit about that and the referees yeah. I don't have a problem with the call on Terry. If Terry wasn't where he was supposed to be, Nikki Javala, and for those of you listening, we're also going to have this on YouTube. Nikki Javala put up a video. Terry said that the ref said he was good. If you look at the video, the ref points down to the line. Doesn't actually give Terry a thumbs up or anything. And you also have a bunch of fans yelling and screaming at that point. So who knows what Terry actually heard or what the ref said. But the fact okay. is... Terry wasn't exactly where he should have been, been and he couldn't move again because another wide receiver went in motion. You cannot have two people yeah. in motion at the same time or else that's an offensive penalty. Mm -hmm. So he was damned if he did. He was damned if he didn't at that point. But B. Mitch was talking about this today on his show. What's with all the motion? You're at the two-yard line. No, who are you fooling? Give the ball to B Rob and let him just punch you in the mouth. Yeah, because the guy who you're motioning for that safety or that corner that's trying to travel or the DB that's trying to travel, you he's not being affected by this play anyway. No, so just line, line up and run the damn ball, the play that you want to run. But they're trying to confuse people thinking it's going to be a jet sweep or something like that to maybe get their eyes looking in the wrong direction. That's the purpose behind all that motion. We get that, but yeah. but if if you know that you're going to run it up the gut like that. Just freaking run it up the gut. Just do it. And it's just, they, they try and get too cute with some other stuff. And that's why for me, it's going back to Scott Turner. A majority of my okay. brain plot goes to him okay. because he's calling us out of games. It's third and two, third and three. And you give it to Curtis Samuel at a shotgun. Out of shotgun. Yes. Yes, man. Come on. How many times have we said that this whole year? Why are we why are we doing this out of shotgun? Do you do we not trust a quarterback sneak? Do we not trust, you know, a, a fullback and a tailback and through the eye and just run it up the gut? Obviously, we don't. It I think he just wants to be cute. I think he wants to try and pull some we don't see have what... a we don't have a cutesy football team just no. And the thing is we have to play a damn near perfect game mm -hmm. because of say that. Yeah. lack of quarterback talent. If your quarterback is not the better quarterback, then your entire team has to step it up a notch. Mm -hmm. And we have these past couple of games. 
The problem is the Giants have the better quarterback, right? And the defense got gas in the fourth quarter. I don't blame our defensive line, all those first rounders up front, because they were on the field. We converted one third down. So spent a lot of time on the grass. That's why it's hard for me to really get in on them. And John Allen was fighting his heart out, man. There was one time where I thought John was going to come to blows in the huddle on his own team because John's yelling Mm. and screaming at them like, what the hell is going on? And time of possession was even, 30 minutes to 29 minutes at that point, you know, 30.3 to 29.3. But I felt like our defense in that fourth quarter, they had just been out there for so long, and the Giants went into a hurry upset. And it was just kind of frustrating. And Rafael Rubio sent this in saying, my 13-year-old son said to me on the way home, Dad, it was the commanders versus the refs. A lot of judgment call should have been a flag for holding. It was a lot not called. And the illegal penalty on Terry, okay. But how do you not call pass interference on that Curtis Samuel play? Did you see the picture that's out there everywhere? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, he's the dude, he's he's all over. I mean, it's yeah. almost like it's a freaking uh, go go and uh, a grind session. I don't know if you've ever been been to a go go. The where, Legends you know, concert ahead of time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, how about this little dirty dancing when when the girl turns her back to you and you 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 sneak up behind her or not sneak up but you get close to her and dance. <laughs> you know sorry. what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a little that, much. That, yeah, but that's what it that's what it was. Yeah, ultimately, no, it was. Ultimately, that was my end zone yeah. right there. Yeah. So, and I, I couldn't believe it. And so uh, that just pissed everybody Well, this out. is actually, this is what Rivera said about it. I, the call on Terry, Terry seemed pretty adamant. He had pointed his hand out to the ref. What, what was the explanation? What did you guys see on, on the film? Looked like Terry pointed That's his hand That's exactly out. what I thought too. Thank you. And I got to ask about the Curtis one as well. Um, it, it, the fourth down. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, again, yeah. in fact, don't ask me about the refereeing because I can't answer the question. I'm not giving any of my blame to the refs. You know, it's just, we never should have put ourselves in that situation, number one. We've talked about it time and again. You can't leave the game in someone else's hands no. and make it that close. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like a boxing match. You can't let it go to the judges. They, in essence, let it go to the judges. And the you judge know, is going to see something different than what you thought. Exactly. But it's to call that ticky-tack flag on Terry to take the touchdown off the board, but to not even give Curtis the benefit of the doubt on that actual P.I. is unbelievably frustrating. And Nikki Javala is the pool reporter for the press. So – the NFL makes referees available to talk to the press after the fact. And Nikki asked them this question. So question, let's talk about the Terry McLaurin play. Was that indeed illegal formation? And what did you see? It appeared that he pointed to the official. Is he obligated to tell Terry that he's at the line or not? And this was from referee John Hussey. Well, I didn't see any of that because I'm in the backfield. What I was told and what has been confirmed is that the ball was snapped at the half-yard line and he was lined up a yard back at the one-and-a-half-yard line. In order to be deemed legal, he needs to break the belt line, the waist of the center, and he was not breaking the waistline of the center. 
That's why the penalty was called because he was not in a legal formation. Okay. Then Nikki asked, when a player does point to the official like that, does the official have to say whether he's at the line or not? Referee says, not typically. The official could be doing other things like counting the offense. There's a multitude of different duties, so I can't confirm whether the official even saw that or not, but he was clearly off the line of scrimmage. So, okay. Illegal formation, whatever. Next question. On the fourth down play, it looked like defensive pass interference against Washington wide receiver Curtis Samuel, but nothing was called. Are you able to explain what was seen there? The referee says... Pass interference is a judgment call. To the officials, it didn't rise to what they felt was a restriction. Thus, they didn't call it. That's basically the bottom line there. It's a judgment call, and they didn't believe it was pass interference. I don't know how many times I on whether it was college up to pro, that same scenario, they're getting a flag, first down, ball number one. I don't I don't want to hear that, man. That, Amen. I, I've, I've seen it many a times, and you can't tell me that it should not have been poor, poor, poor play, uh, refereeing right there. So, uh, but ultimately, what can we do about it? And and I, I remember, I think it was DJ Swearinger or something like that. Something happened to where it was a, a play and they came back and they said, oh yeah, we should not have called that. And if he, we hadn't called that, then at the time the Redskins would have won the game. Well, that doesn't help now. Yeah. You know, it doesn't help now if the ref comes out and says, yeah, I told him what he did and he did check in with me or yeah, guys, that was passing the parents. I mean, what are they going to do? Find the refs? I think they do find the refs or they can even bar them from 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 refing any more NFL teams in that same calendar year. But no, nah, man, I, I don't want to hear it. We We all saw it. Yeah. I mean, he was draped over his back. It was a bang, bang play. Yeah. Just the ref his whistle he didn't want to make the call at that point i just call it both ways that's all i'm saying i mean if you call it to play beforehand on terry you got to call the other one on them but who would you give your rally chain to this week knowing what happened who still gets to wear that chain jahan dotson he was a beast man i mean jahan stepped up big time four for 105 with a td I mean, that young man just, he knows how to find the end zone. Mm-hmm. And he leads the team in touchdowns right now, receiving touchdowns. And he missed how many games? Yeah. I mean, I just, I couldn't be happier with the effort he puts out on that field. He's got six touchdowns for the season, only 338 yards, but it's because he missed a bunch of games. I felt like if he'd been in there during that stretch run where we were All winning. Right. Yeah, I mean, he would be better. But I'm thinking to myself, when Dax Mellon goes back there for that punt that he fumbled but wasn't a fumble, why is Jahan not back there? It was such a crucial point in the game, and we pinned them back. Why was Jahan not back there catching that punt? Because you were at training camp with me. We talked about it during training camp. Mm -hmm. Everyone talked about it. Jahan's catching punts. Well, we want to try and put him back there to give us a change of pace. Sorry, but... Dax Milne ain't it. The only it's thing crucial, I can think of, yeah, go ahead. It's a crucial point in the game. Put Jahan yeah. back there. I was going to say, the only thing I can think of realistically, man, is they don't want to get the kid hurt. And they feel that possible if putting him back there, he gets hurt. Now you've just taken away a piece of our offense that we 
have shown you that we can score with. So now we got to start all over again, and we they don't want to do that. They, as you said, they're playing scared. I mean, you play football. No one wants to get hurt in football, but you play the game. And if he is better than uh, Erickson or Malai, then yeah, man. I mean, come on. You put the best fifty-two on the or the yeah best fifty-two on the field or best eleven on the field. Who who's ever playing, whether it's offense, defense, special team, that's who's supposed to be there. Not because I I, I know your mom. You know this this isn't Pop Warner. Or, or high school, you did you the top booster. No, the best 53. And if his skill set shows that he is the best, then put him in. Jahan is a more explosive player than Dax Mellon. In Jahan's pinky, he has more talent than Dax Mellon has in his entire body. Mm. And Ooh. you know, who's the uh, coach for uh, the Rams? Why can't I think of his name right now? You know who I'm talking about. What used to be? Yeah, McVay. McVay's basically mantra is you attack success. We did not attack success when we tied New York up there. We were up 10 to nothing and they came back and ended up tying that damn game. We did not attack success today when we decided to punt the ball on the 34-yard line. We did not attack success today when you don't have Jahan Dotson back there, a difference maker. Remember when Dion would go back and field punts? It's not like oh, he man. did it all the time, but when he did it, you had to get scared because you knew something could happen. Same thing time, with Santana. He could break it at any given yeah. time, yeah. And if this kid has this talent and you prep him with this talent, why not give him a chance to show how dynamic he is? If I'm the Giants... I immediately start quaking in my boots because of that spin movie put on us up in New York. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's that lack of dimension that this coaching staff doesn't have drives me crazy. But Dax, not Dax, Jahan is a perfect one to get a rally chain. I mean, for me, I'm going to have to break it up. Okay. So I want to hear this 50% is going to go to Tressway. And this isn't being funny. Tress pinned them back how many times, man? He was freaking stellar. Two times inside the 20. He just, he flipped the field for us a ton. Mm -hmm. And Tress did his damn job. He's actually leading the team in Pro Bowl votes. Our punter is leading in Pro Bowl votes because he is yeah. that damn good. He's the best player we've had on our team in the past, you know, eight, nine years, which is kind yeah. of sad to say. He gets put up almost every year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And um, his wife actually had a custom shirt at training camp that said something about Tress on it. And I asked Tress where to get that from. Can I buy that? I was like, well, my wife had these custom made and they're in women. Mm-hmm. So it'd be kind of awkward on you. I'd still rock it, but, you know, <laughs> Tress is my man. The other for me, it's got to go to Terry. Terry broke a thousand yards, third oh, right. thousand yard season in a row. First Redskins, Washington player to do that since Henry Ellard. And nice. you could tell he wanted this, man. It just, I got into an argument with some older Redskins fans in the stands after the game that sit behind me. Uh-huh. And they were pissed off about the whole Washington gold thing because they were stuck outside with me in that 45-minute line. So he was already heated because of that. Mm. And then the game, and then we're going back and forth, and they're saying, well, I'm not coming back next year unless Snyder is gone. So I'm talking with them. It's like, you didn't start rooting for this team 
because of Jack Kent Cook. Like what you and I have been talking about, you know, during our shows yeah. every time. It's like, that has nothing to do with it. It's like, why won't you come out here and support these players? And then they're talking about, well, these players don't care. I'm like, how can you say these players don't care? John Allen's yelling and screaming at his teammates and going there. Terry's out there busting his ass. How can you say these guys don't care? And, you know, with all due respect to them, sorry, they're, they're wrong. But I also can't tell them where to spend their money because they fly here, man, for every home game from oh. Houston. Every game. Gee yeah okay that's different so i get not wanting to come back but to tell me you're not going to come back because of ds to me that's bs but you know it is what it is i just felt that you know the day we let slip man we let these two games slip and maybe it was sabotage by the refs but all i know is right now we're still in the playoffs if it oh, ended definitely. today we still are no we're I can, appre- I can appreciate that we're in the seventh seed with three games left if we go three and oh we're in we still control our own destiny if we finish two and one then the seahawks and the lions have to go three and oh to overtake us so even if we give a game up the seahawks have to go undefeated or the lions have to go undefeated hmm. so we have a 35% chance of making the postseason right now, which is not a lot, obviously. Seattle has the Chiefs next. So hopefully, that's the Chiefs on Christmas Eve. Hopefully, that's a loss for them. Then they got the Jets, and then they got the Rams. The Jets and the Rams look like easy pickings right now. The Lions scare me, though, man. The Lions have the Panthers, mm-hmm. the Bears, and the Packers. So... And we have playing, to they're playing hard they are we have to not let it end up where if the lions go three and oh we give up again we're done i mean it's in our control man and hopefully we don't get sabotaged again by these refs well man i i it's love hate relationship ted this this win and end type of thing you know I, I love it on one aspect because you control your own destiny i hate it on the other because of the pressure and a lot of times our guys, for whatever reason, historically just have not done well under pressure. And I don't know who I heard saying this, but it, may, it might have been you and I or I, whoever it was basically says your perfect games are pretty much come to an end. You know, being because you got to be perfect and the ball has to fall just the right way. You know, in all these games that we won, they've always said, well, the ball fell the right way well at some point in time the ball is not gonna fall the right way and you've got to rely upon sheer talent versus luck because luck is only gonna get you so far so uh it's 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 difficult man And and i and i hate these when you're in scenarios because we had the perfect cushion last night it was there i mean the cushion we win that game and we can afford to lose to the 49ers. Yep. And the 49ers with Mr. Relevant in, sorry, the 49ers are relevant. They clinched the NFC West. They're doing a damn good job right now. And I figured we'll beat the Giants, we'll lose to the Niners, and then we'll see what the last two games come down to. Well, now that's flipped. We gotta pretty much beat the 49ers this week. And we'll get to that Mm -hmm. on Wednesday. But man, it's gonna be a tough road to these playoffs. And I'm kind of glad I didn't buy 
plane tickets to all these different towns right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't either because here it is. It, you you got a credit. That's about it, man. <laughs> Southwest, would have, Southwest would have given you a credit and said, happy trails, brother. Well, regardless, I still hope we make it in. 35%, you're still telling me we got a chance. But we'll get into that on Wednesday, man. All right. But with that being said, we appreciate you guys jumping on with us and listening to another episode of Mess Hall. Rally and I are going to be back this Wednesday. You know, if anybody wants to chime in, leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text, give us a ring. The number for that is 202-677-5860. Thank you, everyone, that left that voicemails and text messages. There were a couple that I could not play because they had too many curses in them and I am too tired to bleep them out. But I feel all y'all's pain. Definitely do. And we, once again, echoing what Ted said, we appreciate you guys listening. And uh, remember, you could be any place that you want to be in the world, but you decided to spend it with us. Keep repping with us. And you rep it hard, or you don't rep it at all. Tailgate Ted, rather Captain. And we're gone.